at work. We hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you to week one of a journey. It's a special type of series where we're going to study the miracles of Jesus And we're excited about this. We've been making preparation for this journey, and this week is week one. I wanna look in the camera there. Welcome our McKinney campus. Welcome all those watching online, maybe someone in a video service. And our Hazlitt campus, I want all of our campuses to celebrate Hazlitt. This is this weekend, their two-year anniversary as a campus, so we're excited about that, and a couple of weeks ago, they had almost a 1,000 people in a middle school in Hazlitt, so we're excited about what God's doing there, and we're hoping to break ground on their new building there as well. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm gonna ask you to turn to Mark chapter four. That's our anchor story for this first week. I wanna tell you a really amazing story that Jesus and his disciples encountered And I think it's a story this first week that we can all relate to. Um, I do wanna celebrate last weekend, Next Generation Weekend. Uh, I wanna highlight that. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, I I, uh, watched online, Brandy and I, and just both of us were just sitting there emotional just thinking about the power of years ago saying, let's not just build a mob of people, but build a spiritual family, let's build an environment that makes disciples. Well, this is not talk about making disciples and spiritual family, this is the fruit of those core values. And so we get to see it in live demonstration where you have these young people leading us and doing a fantastic job at it, by the way. And uh, they did an incredible job. I don't. We didn't miss a beat, man. Maybe some people that are old need to retire. Y'all know what I'm saying? We need to give it over to them. They did incredible. Jayla, 16 years old, praying for us, ministering to us. Amazing, amazing. Uh, We have a 19-year-old was leading worship. You've got younger kids. And they weren't just leading in here. They were leading at every campus in all the environments because we don't believe you have to wait to be great. You can now, there's no junior Holy Spirit. Are you with me? There's no junior membership in the kingdom of God. So we're, we're seeing them uh, really use their gifts and talents and it's so exciting. Uh, just to explain this series and this journey so that you know, because I know we have new people, why is this a special type series? Uh, we do it usually a couple of times a year. You attend the series and I went to Israel And we're gonna walk through several of the miracle sites of Jesus. I went to Israel and as we study the passage, we're gonna study it from the location and the area in which it happened. And so that's very unique and you want uh, to be a part of the series. Also get a book. Um, A lot of you still need to get a book to get into your group. I always love to say this, I don't make any resources off these books. I mean, it's, this is all you, you're our church family. We're, we're charging $7, which you're gonna spend on a cup of coffee this week or lose in your cup holder at some point. Um, so just get one and it's really 
a, a tool to help you in the journey along the way. So we want all of you to get a resource. And then small groups, we have about 500 small groups. I wanna say thank you to all the small group leaders for making space for people to come and grow and learn. If you've never done this, then let me encourage you, this is not our strategy, this is the New Testament strategy. The early church, there were no seminaries, there were no uh, church growth conferences to, to say, hey, a church needs small groups. They met in the temple and they met from house to house. It's the biblical pattern and it's the way the church has learned the Bible for centuries is to learn it together, to interact together. So I can't encourage you enough to jump into one of those groups. We're talking about miracles and we started the last few weeks getting us going in this. This is a supernatural event where God reveals himself to us. We are studying the miracles of Jesus. No one performed more than Jesus himself. There's all kinds of miracles in the Bible. And we're seeing how Jesus comes into our lives in a supernatural way. We see in Matthew 4:23, Mark 4 is where we're gonna go to see the story this week. I thought I might highlight this though. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So a lot of people know about Jesus' teaching, but not everybody knows that Jesus also displayed power. That Jesus also showed up, not just teaching, in the synagogue, but in the real life place where people live, he showed up and did miraculous things. And so uh, we see that as a pattern of Jesus. Oh, by the way, um, since we're talking about miracles, um, Brandy and I had a miracle this week. I'd like y'all to meet my new grandson, by the way. There he is, come on now. There's Samuel, that's my grandson. They did all these tests on him. Apgar test, different tests, hearing tests. Y'all know he got A plus. He got, he got check plus. They said, man, you are an amazing kid. Who is your grandfather? Who is your papa? You have so many talents. They declared him gifted and talented before he ever got out of the hospital. Can y'all believe that? So, <laughs> so thank you for celebrating with us. I wanna tell you a story this week about Jesus and his disciples, and it involves a storm. You know, storms are interesting. There's about 2,000 thunderstorms happening all across the earth at any given moment. There's usually about 16 million a year, and the unique thing about a storm is most of the time it, it comes as a surprise, the violent ones a lot of times. We have technology to track things now, but you know, just like just the other day, you know, it's like, man, I'm driving home and I look and I think, man, there's a... There's something I haven't seen, it seems like in a century. Anybody, that rain cloud came into our area. I thought, whoa, whoa, what is this, you know? Kids were in the street playing. I'm like, you're gonna get struck by lightning. You know, it's like, man, it's rain. And so the storm just kind of comes out of nowhere. You may have been in a hailstorm. Brandy and I were in a hailstorm in the area, had to park in a parking garage at a hospital to get, you know, hide out, just coming back from dinner. You know, we had, we had the ice storm. We lived through the ice storm a couple of years ago. Are you with me? Ice Mageddon. We were out of town. Ice storm came. Everything was frozen like the frozen tundra. I looked on the little camera there that shines, that shows right there on my driveway. Everything's frozen and I saw a steamy river running down my driveway. I thought, 
that's probably not good. <laughs> Ended up a pipe burst, our entire bottom floor. Anybody experienced that out there? That Okay, a lot of you did with us. Then we moved to the hotel. Not a great hotel, an okay hotel, because y'all took all the good ones before I could get to it. <laughs> and nobody could find anybody to work, so I could never get towels. I mean, the pastor was living the, the rough life. In fact, I found myself a lot of times drying off with the bathroom rug. Y'all ever done that? You're like, well, this looks good enough. <laughs> a storm is one of those things where you can have a sunny day. You can have a normal day and then out of nowhere. <sighs> but we're not talking in this story with Jesus just about physical storms. The metaphor in the Bible is when a storm comes into your life. You're going through your normal routine and your spouse sits down and says, I don't love you anymore, I want a divorce, storm. You have a kid that starts to struggle, there's no pain like kid pain, and you have a kid going through a difficult thing and everything can be going fine here, but there's a storm there and it seems like the storm is covering your whole life. You can have some things at work going well and then all of a sudden the things don't go well and you lose your business or you lose your job or you have a financial crisis. You can go for a routine physical and get some bad information and a bad diagnosis and then all of a sudden now you find yourself in the middle of a storm. Jesus takes his disciples into a storm not because he wasn't going to get them out of the storm, and you gotta get this this week. This is an equipping, training, real life lesson where Jesus is equipping them to handle future storms so that they have the equipment. It's not about just that you might be in a storm, it's how do you respond to a storm? What do you do in a storm? How do you relate to the storm? How do you look at God in the storm? That's the lesson of this week as Jesus takes his disciples into a storm, but he tells them up front, we're going to the other side. I wanna say to somebody up front right now, you're gonna get to the other side. This too shall pass. You're going to make it to the other side. When Jesus says, I'm taking you to the other side, we underestimate we'll go through a storm, but he takes us to the other side. I want to take you to Jesus' equipping classroom, to Jesus' faith laboratory. I want to take you to the Sea of Galilee, and I want to tell you this story from Mark chapter 4. Watch it with me. So in the stories of Jesus, one of the most common places that we all think of that's familiar is these stories and moments with Jesus that happened here on the Sea of Galilee. Now when you hear that it's the Sea of Galilee, the truth is it's sometimes called the Lake of Tiberias. It's in your Bible sometimes called the Lake of Gennesaret. But even those locally that know in Hebrew, kinetic, it is actually, the meaning is harp, and it's the 
shape of a harp. So with all of those titles and all of those names, the reality is there's only one place. It's this place where I'm at. And many of Jesus' miracles happened around this lake or Sea of Galilee. And I wanna tell you one that happened on the Sea of Galilee, a major miracle early in the moments with Jesus. Now, this miracle involves storms. You know, you may be facing a storm right now. We all face the storms of life. So when we read the stories of Jesus in the storms, we all relate them to the challenges and circumstances that life brings us. This story though, when you think about storms, you think, man, a lake, it looks calm today, you're there. But the fact is, based on its location, it's not impossible to believe that it could become life-threatening in just a short amount of time. In fact, as I came here yesterday, the seas were very rough, but it's calm today. It's about 700 feet below sea level, winds from the Mediterranean Sea, the elevation, and some of the wind shears and the thermal activity around the area can make this area become violent very quickly. So that brings us to the story. I wanna read it to you in Mark 4, 35 through 41. And when we go to Mark 4, I want us to remember, Jesus has just selected his disciples. They're, they're early in the journey with them. They obviously have had revelation to follow him, but he's still more rabbi, more teacher. They're, they're following him, but this is one of the moments. Remember in the series, we're learning that miracles are not that God needs authentication, but miracles were the way that he relates to us and connects with us because they, they, they bring validation to us that he is the son of God. And this is one of those that would have made them see that, but they're early on, so they're still learning about Jesus. Let's read the story together. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love this miracle because it relates to all of us. We're all, as Jesus was with the crowd, he says, let's go to the other side. I think ironically, when they get to the other side, they have new challenges waiting them. Jesus will, in this Gerasenes area, once they hit land, have a demonic-filled man come that no one could control, and he'll cast demons out of him that end up in pigs that go off this cliff right here. So the truth is, life's a journey. We're moving to new challenges, moving away from moments. And I love the fact that Jesus says, let's go to the other side. He's taking us from where we are today to the next step in our place with him. 
I love to always say this. Jesus isn't into perfection, but he is into progress. And he's always wanting to move us forward to the next place in our journey. I don't know where you are with him. Maybe you're investigating. Maybe you've walked with him for some time. You know what the good news is? This story relates to all of us right where we are. We're going from where we've been to the other side. The only thing is we never calculate is that there's gonna be storms. We're gonna face storms and challenges and waves and wind. And what I wanna draw your attention to in this miracle though is that the disciples' first response was, does he care? That's how we all feel. So many times we wonder when we face that storm, and maybe you're in one right now, we think, does God see me? Does God care? Is there a way I could connect with him in the middle of this moment? I want you to know this story is in the Bible because God wants us to know through the person of Jesus, he's with you in the boat. He's there. And he wants to connect you in the middle of this storm. And he wants to be in the storm with you. He was in the boat. And all he has to say is, peace, be still. You know, it confirms that he was God because they were like, the weather, the creation obeys him, which would have made them know because all of them would have known that the creator God, he's the one that makes the wind. He makes the waves. He makes the world. And so they would have known that. And, and yet... What do we really wanna see in this story? What do we really wanna to connect to? Peace be still. I just wanna echo right here in the place. You know, a lot of times when you come to the Holy Land, you're like, is that the place or did this really happen here? Usually it's in the region. This is the actual place. There's no other Sea of Galilee. And in this place where Jesus said it, because I want you to connect to him, not just to a series and not just to a teaching, I want us all to connect afresh and anew to that story right here in this moment and hear him say to us those words, peace be still. So maybe you're facing a storm and you're looking at that verse and you're translating the context of what's happening with the disciples into your own life. And as I said, Jesus was equipping them. Jesus was preparing them. This was a training moment. So we all wanna receive, if you're in a storm or you're preparing for the next thing that you face, what is it that we can receive from what's going on here? Uh, you see some of the basics that Things become life-threatening, things become challenging. We all have the fear of the what if, not just the present storm, but the what if related to it. The disciples had that too. Fear is emotional, fear is something that can grip you, it's something that is many times irrational. And so we have to understand how to handle fear. And faith is the opposite of fear that we see Jesus is trying to train them in. And I wanna take us deeper into that. I want us to, to really break down what's going on. First of all, there's also just the disruption that a storm brings to your life. So when we look out into the future, we see our mind naturally goes to the high points of where we're going, and we think of things like predictability and expectations, but we always underestimate the storms that we're going to face. Disruption and change in general is hard for us as human beings. 
76% of the population hates change. Even those who say they like change, I find that you don't do so well with change. We're not good at the disruption. Well, Jesus, you got us in this boat. I thought we were just going to sail nicely, have an evening cruise over to the other side. What's all this storm stuff? I didn't factor all that into the equation. So we're not prepared for the disruption. So then the fear and the emotion and the what ifs and all of those things begin to overtake us in our storm moments. I like to think, you know, I'm kind of a visionary person and the older I get, man, I don't really like a lot of change, especially in certain areas, you know? It's like, man, I kind of like it like I like it. My daughters, you know, they, they, they take over my bathroom, you know? It's just crazy, man. It's like a full-on beauty salon in there. Like, they got a big old counter. I got one little area. I don't need much toothbrush. Don't need any hair products, you know what I'm saying? A little lotion will do. And they just, it's just like, they had a beauty salon moment for Hannah when she was in the hospital. I'm like, guys, this is not legal. You know, that picture, that wasn't her getting fixed up after the baby. That, that's how she looked before the baby, during the baby. In fact, she was like, you're trying to progress. She was laid over there, you know, visiting or whatever. Then they, they sat her up, kind of. That's a hospital bed. They'll just sit you up, just boom. I was looking at her. I said, you look like a supermodel, except you're in like a wrestling pose, like you're about to attack somebody. Looking hair curled, makeup. They're always in my stuff, taking my chargers, moving my stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, that's a different message. But anyway, I just needed to get it out. Change is part of life and then in a storm because storms come while all the other stuff is happening. It all compounds, right? I thought about this Mark chapter four story and then to really help you see the equipping, I thought about as well Matthew 14. Both of these stories, this is another boat moment, another moment on the Sea of Galilee. Jesus says, I'm gonna take you to the other side. They both have a big storm, and in both of them, Jesus calms the storm. But in the one we just read, Jesus is in the boat with them. The disciples wake up. Jesus, they're like, wake up, Jesus. Why are you sleeping while we're over here? And then they end this whole little educational training discipleship moment with, they're still not totally convinced, but they're, who is this that the waves and everything and the, this, this, the, the sea obeys him? Like, they're still working through all of that. In Matthew 14, this is another training moment, but in this one, Jesus is not in the boat with them. Jesus sends them out by themselves. How many of you know Jesus keeps taking us from storm to storm, step to step along the way? We move from faith to faith, glory to glory. He sends them out, sits up on one of those problems. I picture Jesus up on one of those ridges, you know, just having a snack, watching them. Let's see how they do this time. The disciples are afraid in this one too, but this one, Jesus walks on the water out to them. And at the end of that moment, they say, truly, you are the son of God. So there's this progression and process in our lives that Jesus is wanting us to get to our conviction about who he is. I wanna make sure you understand something. The storm's not about the storm. The storm is about who you trust in the storm. It's about not will you have storms, but who will you be after the storm? 
It's not about experience, it's about the evaluated experience through the lens of who Jesus is to prepare you on the other side after the storm is over. I have to be honest with you, I've always underestimated the storms that await going to the other side. You may not relate to this, you may relate to it. In my role, not only a husband and a dad bringing my family to the next step that Jesus has, but as a pastor, every time you take new ground for the kingdom, I always underestimate, I'm getting a little wiser, there's always more storms when you do. I remember when we planted the church, we moved here as if that wasn't a challenge big enough. My wife ends up with debilitating arthritis and struggles to walk my kids to, into their classrooms. At 801 Keller Parkway, we take ground, we get this new building, we open up, there's all these people, everyone's celebrating, my wife's crying on the front row because we lost a baby late term. In that same place, we would have a health diagnosis with my daughter. In the occupying of this space, storms. We've got a family member this week having surgery for cancer, facing challenges and storms. You might look at me and go, oh, it's easy, Pastor, to preach about all this. I'm living the same life you are. Storms are going to be in our path. But the question is, here's what I would say. I'm not where I wanna be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm getting better at saying, okay, some storms are gonna come, and how am I gonna respond when the storms come? That's what Jesus was wanting to put in these disciples to prepare them for what he had planned for them. So why is it hard for us to find peace? Why is it hard for us to get to the peace be still moment in the storms of our life? I have two thoughts for you. Number one, and I don't usually use negative points, but I just, just, I'm trying to coach you up a little bit here just to give you something. Here's, here's what I found. We think we trust Jesus more than we actually do. We think we do, but in our world, especially in our culture, we're looking for an expert, an expert opinion, someone that can solve something, a leg up, a foot in the door, some kind of thing that we can do to fix it ourselves instead of getting to that place of complete trust that I'm gonna trust Jesus in this moment. I thought about this. There were characters in that boat. Maybe you're one of these characters. There were four fishermen. There's no golfers in the Bible. I just thought I would tell you all that. <laughs> there were four fishermen. I had to think about those fishermen. They had to be like, man, should we be going? They, they're trying to tell this rabbi, hey, wait a minute. We're boat people. We probably shouldn't be going right now, you know? It's like, hey, let me take, why are we letting this guy captain the ship? I don't know how to drive the boat. They had to probably unlearn some stuff to let Jesus lead them out in a boat. There's a tax collector there. He's kind of thinking, how'd I get here? There's a political activist. His politics are not helping him at this point. Whose president doesn't matter when you're in a storm? There's two friends who were looking for the Messiah. There's a natural doubter, Thomas. He's probably like, I knew this was gonna happen. I guarantee you, I knew, I knew it when we, when we took off from shore. I knew this was gonna happen. There'd be the one who would betray Jesus and there's a couple other guys that are comfortable in the background. One of them is James the Lesser. I think it's kinda, kinda tough that he got branded the Lesser, you know what I mean? But You say, why are you telling us this? Why? I was just thinking about it, I thought, we come to the storm with our personalities, our backgrounds, our history, 
how storm life has been modeled for us. Some people just hibernate into themselves and don't have anyone to help them in the storm because they don't have relationships that they trust. They, some people try to fix it. Some people get angry. There's all kinds of responses. Know this. They had responses in that boat too based on where they were coming from. And so what happens is where you're coming from causes you to provide your own solutions to the situation. So you're bringing your own experiences, your own ideas, but here's, here's what I'm saying in this. Storms are an equalizer. Storms level the playing field. It doesn't matter if you are the president. It doesn't matter if you are rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, whatever you are, in the storm, we're all equal. We're all in this moment and we all need the same Jesus. Every person will eventually hit a storm that they can't fix in their own strength that'll make you come to a place where you have to depend on the one who calms the storm. There's options in the boat. I thought about that too. We all got options. In your storm, you have options right now. Panic and fear. Be overtaken by fear. I'm convinced that there's a lot of reasons why fear and anxiety are at an all-time high in culture and among young people. But I think one of the reasons is we trust ourselves more than we trust Jesus. We think we can fix the storm ourselves. You can panic and fear. You can find someone to blame. It's her fault. It's his fault. It's their fault. It's my daddy's fault. It's the government's fault. It's somebody else's fault. Guess what? Who cares? You're still in the storm. We got to find somebody to blame sometimes. Sometimes we try to solve it ourselves, and some people just give up. Some people fight, and some people fly away and move away and try to run from it. But you have this option put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. Here's the second thing, though. We don't know what faith is, and I wanna say this to some of you facing storms right now. We don't know what faith is. Well, what is ultimately Jesus doing here? He is the Son of God. The wind, the waves obey him. He's getting them to a place where they put their faith and trust in him, that he was God, that he was sent from God, that he was on mission from God. And so we see, though, that the ultimate lesson that Jesus said to the disciples a lot, I just want to say it to you, why don't you have any faith? Why are you freaked out? Why, why don't you have faith? It was a common statement from Jesus to these guys. When are you going to have faith? Well, I find that in today's world, we don't really know what faith is, and we don't a lot of times know how faith works. I've been preaching in multiple places the last couple of years a very simple five-point lesson on what is faith. Faith sees, faith speaks, faith, all the faith verses. In fact, some of you may have grown up in some faith context. Some faith context. You know, it's like back in the day, it was like, man, we're trying to balance the fact that, hey, we don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in Jesus. We have faith in his word, right? But, but, but what I found is, the imbalance of faith is not our problem today. 
Most people today are very educated on situations, have plenty of religious information and don't know how to put it into practice. When Jesus took them in this boat, he had been doing some deep teaching, man. I'm telling you, go back to Mark 4 and read the previous verses. He's talking about seeds, he's talking about this. They're having a, a, a full-on Sunday school Bible class conference. Lots of information. Then he said what a lot of people need today. You don't need more information. We need to practice what you've been getting preached to you. He says, let's go get in the boat. And a bunch of them said, I'm out. We need some boat moments to practice our faith, to put our faith into action, to not just talk, but to know how to use it. And I find a lot of people don't know what faith is. They don't know how it works. I don't have time to teach you an entire message on faith, so I thought I would simplify it to three thoughts. Number one, faith is this at a basic level. God said it. God said it. It's what God said. In this story, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side, so guess what? He didn't say, we might get to the other side. I hope we get to the other side. We maybe will, if everything works out, get to the other side. He said, we're going to the other side. So they could rest assured we were getting to the other side because he said it. You say, I don't know how to get faith because I'm in the middle of a storm and I don't know where I get it. Well, if you would listen to Less Talk Radio, look at Instagram Less and actually get you some of your own Bible verses. I'm talking about some that you own that you put on the dash of your car. We had a scary diagnosis with my grandson. My daughter's told the story some, we'll tell it to you more. At the very first sonogram, our entire family put Psalm 139 on the dash of our car on the back of our phone and began to confess, in, in my mother's womb you knew me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We began to confess those scriptures over that situation. Do you have some of your own scriptures that apply to your own storm? Because faith doesn't just float out of the air, faith comes. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So are we gonna say God said it and then the second thing, which is the hard part, I'm gonna trust it and I'm gonna believe it. And then I'm gonna act on it. I had two counseling situations in the last two or three weeks. I sit down with someone, they're in the middle of a storm. I say, what are you gonna do? They said to me something opposite from the word of God. I said, that's not only immoral, it's not only not what God blesses, it's statistically stupid. That's why I don't get to do much counseling anymore. <laughs> you need somebody that'll tell you the truth. I'm not gonna do what I feel, I'm gonna do what God says. I don't care what public opinion is. I don't care what my grandpa said or this person said or what my tradition says. I wanna know what almighty God thinks about it. Because he's the one that has the power to bless it. God said it. I'm gonna trust it and believe it so I move it from feelings and even church service I move it to conviction. I'm convinced of it, I'm convicted of it. As my wife was praying, I'm persuaded that he is able, I'm going to trust him, and then I'm gonna act on it. I'm gonna act on it. That's what the lesson was for these disciples. I, when I see us have these big baptism moments, I, 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 I see patterns, I'm, I'm watching, 
I'm always just moved, just sitting there. I'm so still amazed at how God has the ability to transform people, to change them. I'm convinced the longer I do this, that it's only Jesus that can change the human heart. It only happens through Jesus. And I'm amazed and I watch, I, I saw one pattern that I saw in a lot of the testimony videos, you saw them, where they were talking about weight lifted off, you know, like, like I, I, I'm lighter, I, I feel like a burdens are lifted off. I, I saw another pattern that I think pertains to this week's miracle that Jesus was after in the disciples. Watch a little clip of a few of these stories with me and I'm gonna come back and pray for you. Watch, watch some of these, see if you pick up on it. I had been doing this back and forth game for so long. That day, it was like, I'm all in. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm jumping all in. I'm jumping into the deep end and this is, this is for real this time. I decided I'm all in. It's no longer jump in, jump out. It's all in and this is what it's gonna be. I decided to go all in with Jesus and I mean, our whole life has changed in a year. It was a game changer, so. I was tired of just getting my content at church and coming home. I wanted that fire. So I made that decision. I was like, I'm done. I just prayed and I was like, God, I, I'm all in. Did you hear it? I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. What they were learning in the boat was Jesus was saying, I'm gonna move you from, I'm a good rabbi teacher, I, I'm a friend, to he's the son of God, he's worthy of all of me, my whole life, I'm all in. See, a, a half in doesn't cut it in the storm. A sprinkle Jesus on what you wanna do doesn't get you through the storm. I like the story there of Whitney, the first was Cody, her husband, he went all in. And then she said, well, I had a Jesus that I had at church, but I didn't have him all week. I had him at church, but he wasn't there in the storm because he lived at the box. And she said, I saw in Cody, when he went all in, I thought, I gotta go all in. I wanna ask you the question, Jesus has the power to speak peace be still, but he's looking for faith in us. I'm all in, I'm all in. I want you to bow your heads with me. Somebody listening to me, whether at a campus or online or in this room, I'm gonna ask no one to move around at any place for just a moment. Are you all in? I, I wanna encourage you. It's only good on the other side of all in. Not that you won't have storms, but you have a Jesus to walk you through the storm. So you might just wanna say, Jesus, I surrender. I'm tired of running. I give you my heart, I give you my life. I give you my family. I give you my talents. I give you my opportunities. I give you my resources. I, I give you everything on the other side, Jesus, because I'm trusting you to get me to the other side. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose from the dead. I wanna surrender all to you. I give you my whole life, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know. You can come forward at the end of the service. You can let someone know. We wanna help you in your new journey with Jesus. I wanna pray for a second group of people, though. How many of you here might say, Jeff, this message is for me because I'm in a storm. 
Would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? Say, Pastor, I'm in a storm. Thank you. Lots of hands around this room. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that we wouldn't have to go through multiple iterations to come to the fact that we trust you. Lord, I pray that every person would say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you with my life. I trust you in the storm. I trust you when the seas are calm. I, I trust you with everything. And Lord Jesus, I pray right now that, Lord, you would begin to speak peace in the midst of the storm. Lord, because you are our God, because you are in the boat with us, because you are the captain of our ship, because you are leading us to the other side, we can have confidence. We have hope. We have joy. We have something supernatural because you speak peace to the storm. I pray, Lord, over every person that's facing a storm today that they would receive that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.